support for this podcast comes from Staffing Future. Nowadays, your recruitment website needs to do more than just validate your business. Websites are your digital front door, where new clients and great talent should come knocking. So do you want your recruitment website to stand out from the crowd, generate new business leads and placement revenue? If that's a yes, then talk to Staffing Future, the recruitment website and technology experts. Get a free website and technology stack review and competitor analysis today. Just visit staffingfuture.com slash rules. What great ideas are so close within your grasp? Seeing other points of view, anticipating change, considering multiple possible turnouts, acknowledging uncertainty, searching for compromise. We're going to talk about how to get over those limiters of innovation so that you can extract better thinking from yourself and your team. So let's talk about how to win the future. Welcome to the Marketing Rules Podcast from Thinking Circles. With me, your host, James Whitelock. We all probably now use some kind of automation, whether it's a simple scheduling of social media posts or as sophisticated as handling incoming inquiries. But getting it right from the start is key to its success. Joining me this week is Mark Colgan, founder of Speak On Podcasts and marketing automation expert. Mark discusses how to determine which processes are ready to automate, common risks, common mistakes, and examples to boost revenue. Welcome back, everybody, to the Marketing Rules Podcast. And today I'm joined by Mark from Speak On Podcast and one-time um, marketing automation expert, one-time recruiter as well uh, for all of our kind of HR and recruitment listeners. Uh, so this is going to be an interesting podcast. Uh, Mark's going to talk us through uh, the uses of kind of automation, how to roll automation out within your businesses and the, some of the, the problems we can come across. Um, uh, we'll hopefully pick up on maybe one or two uh, examples on, on how we can do that and how you can't do it. Um, but Mark, uh, it's, one, it's a pleasure to have you on the, on the podcast. Uh, for the people who might have never come across you or don't know necessarily who you are, maybe you could give us a little bit about your kind of background. Uh, it would be interesting to hear a little bit about your kind of recruitment background as well. I think. Mm-hmm. Sure. So um, I've been uh, well working in B2B, I guess, sales and marketing for about 13 years now. So straight out of university, I joined Hayes PLC, joined their, um, uh, their placement scheme. So I did it whilst I was still at university and then when okay. I went back. But luckily, um, or fortunately, had a job offer when I finished university as well. So went back to Hayes after that final year of university, worked for, for Hayes for about two and a half years. Then I went to more of a regional recruitment um, agency in the, uh, in the East Midlands in the UK. Um, one of my clients was Experian PLC. So uh, they ended up kind of asking me to go into their HR uh, team. They did say, bring your recruitment agency knowledge, know-how, tricks, <laughs> hacks, and tips, but play safe. Um, so I did for uh, a year or so, and I happened to be recruiting sales and marketing roles and my university degree was in marketing. And James, this is at the time where there wasn't really much such thing as a digital marketing manager. Mm-hmm. So we're going back quite a while yeah. and I thought it's a good time for me to kind of make a, a change in my career, having been on both sides of the recruitment table as well. So I talked myself into a, a marketing role uh, <laughs> where I was usually the first digital marketer. So that meant setting up the CRM, setting up the landing pages and all of the automations behind the scenes. I got very good at HubSpot. Um, I was one of the earlier implementation kind of consultants working on HubSpot. And then after taking a sabbatical for a year where I had no um, actual job to go back to, I just took a year off before I hit 30. um, I then started my own consultancy, just specializing in marketing 
uh, automation. And I worked with several companies uh, that would typically raise around funding who just needed to get automation into their company and yep. in, done in the right way. Um, and then fast forward a few more years, I, I've uh, most recently set up a, an agency, which is in the podcasting world, where we help people secure interviews on relevant podcasts where their audiences are likely to be listening to. And that brings me up to 2022. <laughs> um, that's quite a very varied kind of uh, set of roles. I mean, um, we'll come back to the recruitment because I'm sure we'll talk about that a bit more. But sure. with regards to the um, the the podcasting, uh, what where did your interest in in all of that come from? Yeah, I think there's there's two two factors, and <clears throat> something to explain as well is like that it's really what we do is a mixture of recruitment, marketing, and sales. So the recruitment from the matchmaking side. Yep the marketing from how to position a customer and the sales is the outbound approach that we take. So sending emails and, yep. and messages on social media. So it really is a combination of a lot of uh, pretty much all of my career. Um, and where it came from was I was previously running another business and I had a bit of free time. So I started reaching out on uh, to podcast hosts for me, for myself yep. and managed to secure a few interviews. And what I found was it didn't, it was like another channel that had been, had never been tapped into because you didn't have to go after a podcast that was like a top 1% or top yeah. 10% podcast. It was all about finding relevant audiences. So I had some success, I generated some leads and some sales, thought, oh, this is good. Uh, then tried it out for a few other people. So I was um, sending emails on their behalf. Mm -hmm. And then after two months of doing so and securing around 20, 30 interviews for a few other people, I thought perhaps this is something that we could offer to more people outside of my network. So I met my co-founder in June, 2020. And we set up Speak on Podcast, which is the agency now. We've recently just hit a thousand interviews booked it's since June 2020. The team is up to 20 people now as well, uh, all over the world, which is fantastic. And we plant a tree for every interview we book as well. Amazing. So we give back a little bit too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and uh, so, so for all the listeners, this is exactly what happened in your case. You you reached out right. to the to the Marketing Rules podcast and it was like, yeah, that just sounds like a kind of a uh, a fun guest to have on and an interesting story. And hence why we're kind of speaking about this today. Um, but, you know, the main topic we're going to talk about is automation. And we're going to tap into your kind of marketing automation uh, in, in your marketing automation background. So marketing automation is one of these things that it always gets kind of rammed down people's throats and automation in general. And I think there is a lot of smoke and mirrors when it comes to automation. There's mm -hmm. a lot of misinformation when it comes to kind of automation. Uh, people love to chuck around the term AI when it comes to automation yeah. and it's not really AI. Um, so maybe a good starting point is how you would define kind of automation, um, either marketing automation or business automation. How would you kind of define it initially before we kind of move on to how you would implement it? Yeah, so for me, automation is about leveraging technology to fulfill or deliver on a process that may have been done manually previously. Now, that can be uh, full automation of many different steps, or it could just be one or two steps are automated. And there's some examples that I'm already thinking about now that might be relevant to the recruitment audience, um, which I'll explain why you wouldn't want to fully automate it. But you can leverage some automation. So an example, a really simple one, is to use calendar links when trying to schedule interviews. Yeah. Um, I wish they had that when I worked <laughs> in recruitment because the amount of emails back and forth that I used to send was, was horrendous. Whereas now you can just click on this link, here's my availability, mm -hmm. pick a time. And then what you can have set up from an automation point of view is a uh, follow-up email that says, thanks for booking the time with me, James. 
just so you know, on the call, here's what we're going to speak about. Yeah. Um, that's a perfect example of a very simple and lightweight automation. Yeah. Yeah. And it takes um, a lot of that kind of stress out of trying to find those booking jobs. And again, relevant to the recruitment space, you know, trying to book people in for, for interviews or trying to kind of do that, pre- those, those kind of pre-interview things. Very simple. Um, there's even now, there are now tools and, and it's funny, um, you, you mentioned kind of HubSpot, I think, and probably Calendly has this now. There's a, there's, a, there's a tool where you can send people, send people your availability as opposed to, you can say, right, book a time for me on this day, yeah. this day, or this time, and this time, as opposed to giving them complete access, which is even better because then mm-hmm. you're kind of like, you're, you'll have a bit more control of it. Um, but that's a great example of some very kind of simple automation. But as you've already alluded to, is sometimes you don't need to go the whole whole way. Not all processes need automating, and um, and some processes very very much need some kind of automation in them in this day. So, how do you determine which processes are ready to be automated? Sure, that's a really great question. And and what I like to start with is just kind of setting the scene of what makes up an automation. And there's typically three main steps. There's what's known as a trigger. So something has to happen. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then usually, but this is optional, there's a condition. So if this, then that statement, and that logic is uh, allowing you to point the automation into different directions. So for example, if somebody books a call on my Calendly link, um, I've got lots of different Calendly links, some for podcast interviews, some for sales calls, some for interviewing candidates. So I could have a condition in there that says, if it's for a candidate interview, then there needs to be an action. So you have trigger, condition, and action. And based on those conditions, you can set other automations to happen as well. So a a really uh, simple example from a sales point of view, if somebody books a strategy call on my Calendly link, uh, I've got an automation in the background that looks for anybody booking a Calendly call. Then they're looking for, does it contain the word strategy? Mm -hmm. And then if it does, send an automatic email from from my own Gmail account saying, hey, James, thanks for booking the call. Really looking forward to speaking with you soon. Uh, here's a GIF I recorded just for you. And the GIF is me on a, um, on a golf buggy uh, that I recorded a few years ago. Uh, and I kind of, I only like to play golf because I can go and get the golf buggy and drive it around a bit too fast. Uh, but I do, I do a little skid. I put my thumbs up and, and then on the GIF, it says, you're awesome. So it's just a, a tiny little differentiator, which is yeah. a pattern interrupt for what people are expecting. But you know, that's a very different action than what it would be if it was somebody booking me uh, booking on my link for a candidate interview. Yeah. Um, so hopefully that that makes uh, sense to kind of set the scene. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where people go wrong with uh, setting up automations is that they try and automate the entire process, or they automate a process that hasn't been proven uh, to work. Um, so I remember a customer asked me, Mark, can you set up a twelve month nurture sequence for sales uh, for sales? And I was like. Sure, give me five minutes. And I set up the sequence in five minutes. And then I said to the customers, like, can you give me the content that needs to go in this nurture sequence? And they were like, what do you mean? So I think we sometimes forget, like when it comes to marketing, a lot of the automation is about distributing content Mm -hmm. most of the time. So if it's like external facing, and then a lot of the automations on internally is more about the processes and and efficiencies as well. Um, But yeah, really, uh, if you start by looking at what is taking up a lot of time, 
um, what could be automated. And really anything can be automated, yep. but not everything should be automated as well. Yeah. So I like to write down a list of, with, with a piece of paper to, with a line in the middle. And it's like what should be automated and what could be. And then I make sure that I focus on the shoulds first before I even ex- explore the could be automated because as we mentioned, not everything should be. Yeah, yeah. So it's that kind of low-hanging fruit, right? The kind of stuff that's going to yeah. possibly give you back that kind of the, a couple of five percent of your of your day back, and over over the period of a week, you've got yeah. four hours back or something, you know? Yeah, and and I think as well, you've got to as much as we have human error, when you have automation, you have kind of logic error. Mm-hmm. So a really good example of where a lot of companies and uh, recruiters will automate is when they're updating maybe their um, candidate pipeline. So first interview, second interview, assessment, whatever the process might be for even internal or external, you can set up automation that says when candidate A moves from first interview to second interview, send them this automatic email. So in theory, that sounds okay. But candidate A may have had some questions, some concerns that they really wanted to find the answer out before they were moving on to the next stage. Yep. And if you just have an automatic email going out to them, you don't have the opportunity to kind of customize uh, that uh, that email to mm-hmm. them. And it's the same with sales. Just because I've moved somebody from first meeting booked to cool held, working mm-hmm. to close, I don't want an automatic email to go out there because it's not going to be personalized and have the context from our conversation. Yeah. Um, so that's a really good kind of um, example of a potential kind of common mistake that might be made. What, what are the other things do you think are kind of mistakes that, you know, on pitfalls that we don't want to fall into? Yeah. So going back to one of the points I made before is trying to automate everything without knowing that it works for your business. So um, if especially if you're new or it's a newer business and you haven't been in business for over a year or two years to see what the cycles are, you'll make assumptions on the data that you have which don't necessarily reflect what the the true outcome or the true data would be. Um, So yeah, if you automate everything because you're just trying to save time and be efficient, you might be automating the the wrong things. Um, So I think it really is about looking at that 80-20 and working out which bit to automate versus what what does a human, uh, what does a human, uh, what, sorry, automation does a human need to have a look at first? Imagine being able to remove the worst 25% of your job. How much more could you achieve in a day, a week, or a month? Robotic process automation is changing recruitment by removing mundane, repetitive, and rules-based tasks. If you want to reduce your cost base and increase your capacity to make more placements, resulting in faster growth without the need to hire more people, talk to Liquid Palladium. Visit liquidpalladium.com for more details. Um, and I'm kind of following on from that. Is there a kind of a size of business that it's more appropriate for than it, than, than, than others? You know, a lot of people listening to this will be in that kind of SME size, maybe a little bit smaller, mm-hmm. there'll be some of a little bit larger. Um, and this is a question we always get about asked whenever we kind of come up with any kind of marketing or anything like that is, is this relevant for my business? Uh, sure. and I suppose the, the presumption is with something like with, with automation, maybe not so much now, but initially it was, it's expensive, right? And mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it takes a long time to set up. Do we need a professional to set it up? Do we need, ex- yeah. da, 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 da. so, you know, let's, let's take it as we're in 2022. So uh, or, or, as of today, you know, is there, a, is it more for, for smaller business, agile businesses, is it for larger businesses, is it for everybody? Is there a difference in the way you roll it out? 
Yeah, so there's certainly going to be a difference in the way that you implement automation in businesses because the larger the business, the more kind of touch points or more people involved in a particular process. Mm -hmm. But the way that I look at automation is it's it's the same for everybody because it's all about time. And we all have 60 minutes in an hour and we all have eight hours of a working day and 24 hours of a, of a, of a, of a day in total. Mm -hmm. So automation for me is all about saving saving time. So an, an, an example of, so I'm a small business and I've worked with larger businesses as well. The automation I'm going to describe now is relevant for a sales rep in a 3000 or 50,000 uh, size company versus mm -hmm. the solo sales rep or the founder or CEO of, of their own agency. So when, when somebody books a call with me on, on for a sales call in the background, um, a notification gets sent to Slack. So the team can see mm -hmm. that sales call has been booked in. Um, they get that email that I mentioned before with the, with the GIF. Um, a deal is created in my CRM. In, 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 I use HubSpot at yep. the moment. Um, and then finally, um, their name, their email address, the time and date <clears throat> is then added to a document, which I have the script for the sales call in, where I'll make my notes on that call. So like I said, that's me as a founder acting as salesperson, and that could be a sales rep in, a, in an organization where you have a thousand sales reps, but the automation is saving the individual the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, and for anybody listening who's not heard of Slack, then it is uh, kind of, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> which, which some people haven't, haven't at them. Some people might not have heard of Slack. Yeah, of course. Um, it, you know, it is a kind of a, a communication tool kind of on the on the uh, maybe a bit like kind of teams but you can kind of have your own different groups in there you can have multiple people you can enjoy invite people into groups and the the thing about slack is it has a, a huge amount of integration with lots of other other systems mm -hmm. so you can use it as your internal kind of communication communication tool invite external people in you can kind of create closed groups and open groups um it's really quite kind of flexible i think traditionally it was originally used in the kind of it and technical space but it's kind yes. of moving out, outside of that kind of thing now but uh, yeah, yeah. I like to say it's like a really well-organized group WhatsApp yeah. chat. So you might have your whole team in a group WhatsApp chat, but you can't organize um, the, the the messages into different topics like marketing, sales, HR, um, whereas in Slack, it gives you that opportunity too. So yeah, a, a big fan of Slack and, and having a remote company with 20 people all over the world at different time zones, you yeah. really need that central place where um, you can communicate. And, and um, what... what, what as we picked up on Slack, we'll let's talk a little around the kind of different types of technology that are available to us. You know, something like Slack is actually possibly a good place to start if you're thinking about kind of automation because it fits into that ecosystem quite well. It's built mm -hmm. to have that kind of stuff in. As I said, Slack has ultimately you know, has connections to, to HubSpot or other CRMs, probably Salesforce, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and that can be the kind of the kicking off point to start this yeah. kind of sequence running. Um, you know, so for, for everyone listening, maybe you can kind of take us through some of the other tools when it comes to kind of automation that we should be thinking about. So we've got Slack, potentially we've got HubSpot, we've already mentioned. Is there anything else that you think or that you've come across in your kind of automation career that you would recommend? Yes. Yeah, so there's a, a platform called Zapier. Yep. So that's Z-A-P-I-E-R. Um, and that's effectively the glue that holds a lot of these automations together. And it allows you to connect one technology that doesn't have a, a quote unquote integration with another company as well so an example is we use home run for our applicant tracking system mm -hmm. um, a, a new candidate applies for a job at speak on podcasts and home run via zapier updates slack to say you have a new candidate 
And the reason why we have that is because it's not just me that needs to look at those candidates, it's the project manager or whoever's going to be involved in that hiring decision as well. So Home Run is an applicant tracking system, and there are obviously 50, 100 yep. different applicant tracking systems. Um, so what Zapier allows you to do is no matter what the applicant tracking system is that you're using, it can take the information from there and then post it in Slack or send you an email or, you know, there's, 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 there's probably millions of combinations yeah. of, of what is possible with, with Zapier. Um, I pay, I think $20 for my, my Zapier and it runs a lot of things behind the yeah. scenes for me. Um, the thing about, another... Z- the thing about Zapier as well, just, just kind of, um, uh, is it, it's kind of idiot proof, right? It is built mm. that you don't have to have any real kind of technical expertise to do yeah. what should be quite a technical kind of thing. It just says, Right, you want to connect these two things together. You want this is the this is the field you want to take out. This is the field yeah. you want to populate, pretty much. Or this is what you want to do. Yeah, do it basically. Definitely, it's it's almost like having building Lego and having the instructions, yeah. and the instructions are even easier than they are in in Lego. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's a, that's a great uh, a great point to make. That not to be intimidated by the sound of a lot of the things that we're talking about now. And Zapier has plenty of resources from really, really uh, beginner to intermediate to, to advanced as well. So, and they also have pre-made Zap, uh, pre-made um, recipes, I think they call them as yeah. well. So definitely encourage checking out uh, Zapier. Yeah, yeah. Again, I, people, I think it's one of, those things, one of those tools that people will know about, but uh, are probably quite afraid of because it's sound, when you talk about connecting two things here, but I, you know, I've, I've used it and I am in no way particularly technical and mm-hmm. I was able to use it. Uh, and it is, it is that they, they, they describe them as recipes because basically they work like that. You kind of have this ingredient, this ingredient, put it into the, yep. put it into a bowl and it comes out with something basically. Yeah. Yeah. And, and pretty much whatever you put in, you can effectively get out as yes. well. So um, yeah, there is, I think there's some logic to think about and that that's perhaps the, the hardest part is thinking, yeah, <clears throat> what is the flow like yep. what is that trigger what is the condition and what's the action yep. um and that's how i've been that's how i simplify automations by thinking trigger condition action yeah, yeah um and that way it starts to simplify that the process of building out some automation and that's that's quite a succinct way of thinking about it actually and and uh, uh hopefully uh something that kind of the listeners can kind of uh, can latch on to because again as i said automation could become a little bit kind of frightening if you don't know but if you think about it in those kind of three terms i think that's great so any other kind of uh technology that we uh, should be looking out for yeah so i've mentioned that you can't you shouldn't automate everything because there's a, almost there's a level of human uh interaction or context that needs to happen so my secret weapon when it comes to automation is forms so this could be a Google form, um, which is a free form builder, or you could use type form, which is paid. Uh, there's lots of different form options out there. But why I like forms is it's because a human can control the input. And what I mean by that is if I have a, if, if so when a new customer signs up with Speak on Podcasts, and I'm giving the example, so yeah, and I'll say the whole whole process, a new customer signs up, my customer success manager needs to know about it. Our uh, onboarding manager needs to know about that. And also our project manager needs to know so that he can assign the appropriate resources internally for that new customer. However, there are things that change all the time with the customers. Sometimes they book, they want more podcasts. Uh, sometimes they want less podcasts in a shorter period of time. So what I've created is a form that I fill in because I'm the one that has this information. I'm the bottleneck in yep. this process. So I have a form which says customer name, the uh, target. So 20 podcasts in six months, 
Um, I put in an estimated onboarding call date. So we we kick off the engagement with a customer at, with an onboarding call. So usually I've got some understanding of when that will be, but I don't, they haven't booked the call yet. So I'll say from the 26th of January, for example, or from the 1st of February. Um, and then uh, there's like an other <laughs> box if there's any other information that I need there. But then what happens when I hit send is it goes to Slack. Again, we we live in Slack because my project manager is in Mexico. My CSM is in um, she's in Madrid and our enrollment manager is in Lisbon that where I am as well. So we've got people in different, different time zones, but what happens a message in Slack goes to, um, tag the customer success manager and says, please send the, this welcome email to the, to the customer. And there's a cop, there's a link to a template. So there, it removes any sort of thinking that she needs yep. to do to the project manager. It's we need to assign a booking agent to this customer. Usually the other category is, I'll say this is a very similar campaign to customer A and customer Z. Mm -hmm. uh, and so with that information, my project manager can go, okay, who managed customer A and Z? And maybe that booking agent is free. Uh, and then for the onboarding manager, that means that he can uh, get things ready for that onboarding call. And then to take it a step further, I added this in after. So this is a really important thing to, to think about, James. So you can start basic and then start adding things in. So I then looked, spoke to my project manager and I said, well, what do you do when a new customer signs up? And he needs to create folders in Google Drive. He needs to create documents for reporting. He needs to create a channel uh, in Slack. So a, like a, a group category in, in, yep. in Slack. Um, so I managed to automate the majority of these processes based on the input from the form. Mm -hmm. And that's that. So that's why forms are such a secret weapon because there's context, there's things that can change every time, and you can control that 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 context and then trigger the automations after. Yeah, um, it's interesting with regards to the automation we've been talking about. Kind of um, currently, it's very much um, inter internally process focused. It is very much how to kind of speed up what we do internally and give us free, uh, mm -hmm. some more time. Obviously, the other side of this is kind of the outward facing stuff. So things like the kind of chatbots and and yep. kind of these kinds of things, which is becoming more and more prevalent. I think most people are kind of getting used to the fact that, you know, they've, there's a chatbot there, if they, if it, whether it's on Facebook Messenger or on the website or whatever else that might be. Um, uh, what's your kind of experience with that type of kind of automation? Yeah, I, I love it. So I think, yeah, there's definitely internal and then there's the external type of automation. So one that is a very easy one to, to implement and just experiment with is if you're sending a newsletter out to your customers or potential prospects um, or your leads, whoever you're sending a newsletter out to, the likelihood is that 100% of people that you send it out to aren't going to open that newsletter when you send it to them. That's the fact. I think not many companies can boast to yep. say they get 100% open rates. But you can set an automation and I, I won't talk specifically about the email marketing tools that you, yeah. you can use, but most of them have the same feature, mm -hmm. which says, if the email hasn't been open, then send the email again in two days time. Mm -hmm. yep. So that's a really good example. And, and actually that's like a, a quite a, a well-known um, tactic for increasing open rates uh, in your newsletter, in your email marketing yep. is, and it's, it's because, you know, I, I get so many emails um, in my promotions folder or my updates folder that I don't have time to see them all. But sometimes I get a nudge to say, hey, Mark, in case you missed it, dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Uh, and then I'll look at that email. So that's one, one example there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think that kind of email sequencing, um, I think there is 
uh, we're getting more and more used to it. And sometimes it's used a bit like a kind of a blunt instrument and it's a bit kind of on the nose. But I think there are much more kind of subtle tactics that I've kind of noticed that um, changing up the format of the follow-up emails and things mm-hmm. like that, moving from kind of pure HTML down to kind of plain text and things yeah. like that. So it starts to look a bit more kind of personalized and, and things or, or the other the other examples, I suppose, are good around if someone has clicked on a link in the in the um, in the email, you know what that link is, you know who the person is, so you can then maybe send them some more relevant content based on what they clicked on, and, and yeah. you kind of start that whole kind of nurture kind of process. With um, with our audience, obviously, they are all in kind of HR and and, and staffing. One of the things that uh, we pick up on a lot, obviously, our audience use LinkedIn a lot. They're very big, mm-hmm. they're big much, and one of the banes of all of our lives is kind of the automated kind of LinkedIn messages. Uh, yeah, we get we get all the time. I'm sure you do as well. Yeah. Um, you know, it, uh, is this something you advocate? Is this something you've kind of used? Is this kind of an area that you think we could do, be doing more of, less with? you know, specific to kind of LinkedIn, let's say. Yeah, so my approach to anything outbound, so when we're talking about using a platform like LinkedIn or emails to send a message to somebody, uh, you know, ultimately we want to see if we can work with them and, and sell them a service product or, or, or tool. Yeah. Um, it's all about starting conversations. So for me, when I uh, use automation, at the moment I'm not, but I have in the past, and I probably will again on, on LinkedIn, is I use automation to help me get to the first step of starting that conversation. What I don't do is connect. And James, within a minute, you've got a pitch from me telling you about how amazing <laughs> I am and how you should work with my company. Yep. Um, my, my approach is more, uh, actually, I ran some experimentation with, do you send a connection request message or not? Uh, with a message, I got 51% acceptance rates. Without a message, I got 49% acceptance rates. So we're talking very, very yeah. marginal differences. However, the time it took me to write a personalized connection request was far greater than just sending out, yeah. clicking, connect, 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 connect. So for me, what I will do is I'll connect, connect, connect without sending a, a message. And then for those who don't accept my connection request, I can then withdraw the connection request and yeah. write a more personalized one because maybe that was why they didn't yeah. accept that connection. But if you use automation to to speed up the process of you connecting with people, I think that's fine. Your first message to them is going to be key to the success of whether this strategy is working for you or not. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, and that's a very marketing thing about the messaging that you're using. And that's where, you know, businesses like ours, et cetera, can, can, can help. Um, uh, Mark, it's been an absolute kind of pleasure talking to you today. Um, what we'll do is we'll include all your details in the show notes. So if anybody wants to know more about marketing automation or want to know about speaking on podcasts, uh, we'll have all your details there uh, and people can kind of uh, connect um, uh, and feel free to uh, and to reach out. And um, hopefully there's, uh, there's some kind of uh, some great people in our audience. I'm sure they would love to kind of know a bit more about how they could uh, increase their own reach through uh, through speaking on podcasts. But for now, Mark, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, James. And yeah, I'd encourage if anybody wants to geek out with me about automation, I'm more than happy to speak to them. So yeah, get in touch and we can have a chat. Thanks for listening. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the Marketing Rules podcast on Apple, Spotify, and all other major podcasting platforms. I've been your host, James Whitelock, and I hope you can join me and more amazing guests next time.
The Marketing Rules Podcast is a Thinking Circles production.